Good morning, my name is Gabe Moya. I feel like I've got ringing in my ears, am I okay? Yeah, okay. Um, Gabe Moya, I'm the pastor of Congregational Care here at City Church. And uh, it's my privilege to bring the message this morning. But before I do, I want to introduce to you Chester Yuan. Um, part of what I do as Congregational Care um, pastor is uh, to bring in programs like Stephen Ministries. And Chester and I, uh, last year, uh, spent a week in Pittsburgh getting trained on uh, what, it, what this all means and how to get one established at City Church. And I'd like Chester to share for a few minutes about what Stephen Ministry is. Good morning. Thank you, Gabe. Let's click that on real quick. On buttons. Incredible technology. As Gabe said, my name is Chester, Chester Yuan. My wife, Arlene, and I have been members of City Church for about three and a half years. We love the people here. We love the service. We love the staff here. On many Sundays, you see me walking around in a red shirt. I'm a golfer. I like Tiger Woods, but that's not the reason I'm wearing a red shirt. I'm, the, I'm on the security team. And if I have to explain to you what I do, I have to kill you, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm honored to be standing in front of you to tell you about an exciting new ministry here at City Church called Stephen Ministry. And I'm going to tell you about why we should have Stephen Ministry and what it is and how you can get involved. Well, the Bible tells us to care for one another, and that we as members and brothers and sisters of the City Church family should care about one another. Our Lord Jesus tells us to love one another as I have loved you in John chapter 15. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. He further writes, serve one another in Galatians 5. And in 1 Peter, and we all know, Peter, 1 Peter is written by uh, Pastor Pete's favorite apostle, Peter. Live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers and sisters, be compassionate and humble. Stephen ministry is Christ caring for people through people. Each day we hear about a brother or sister here at City Church who are encountering, experiencing some kind of a crisis. And these challenges could be a death of a parent, death of a spouse, or even worse, death of a child. Financial crisis uh, and uh, loss of jobs and also serious illnesses can all be challenges faced by people. And sometimes even happy events, such as weddings, could trigger major adjustments because now children are leaving the home. And we also have students going to college, and that involves major adjustments as well. So some of us um, have the good fortune of um, facing retirement. That brings changes. Um, as empty nesters, 
Uh, we face financial challenges. So what do you do when you hear these cries from hurting people? How can you help? And how, if you want to help, how can you get involved? These difficulties oftentimes can derail even those who are generally well-adjusted to deal with these challenges. And some people, rightfully so, turn to their pastors. But how do five or six pastors serve the needs of five, 700 people? They can't. And some people turn to their life group leaders and prayer leaders, and uh, those are wonderful, but they're short-term. Since 1975, Stephen Ministry has been providing high-quality, Christ-centered training and resources to more than 12,000 congregations in more than 160 different denominations. Stephen Ministry is Christ-caring for people through people. Stephen Ministry can be a solution here at City Church, not only to meet the needs of the hurting people, but also to provide vital support to our pastors. Stephen Ministers provides confidential, one-on-one -on -one Christian care to people who are facing crisis and life challenges. If you are a loving, compassionate, caring person who loves the Lord, who loves others, and are looking for a new ministry to get involved in to serve the Lord and to serve this church, we want you. We want you to come and learn more about Stephen Ministry. Pastor Gabe and I will be, we have a table in the back of the lobby uh, and come and learn more about this ministry. We have an introductory workshop on July 30th. Come join us and learn more about this exciting new ministry. Thank you. All of us uh, have been touched or are experiencing the kind of things that he described as to why uh, it's important for a congregation, a faith community, to have such a ministry as Stephen Ministries. And uh, there are many great resources right there of people who can come alongside and help those who need help. So as I said, uh, my name is Gabe Moya, pastor of Congregational Care, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring the message today. Pastor Pete and his family are away on a much-needed time away of refreshment, so we're thankful that they get to go away and, um, and that he, by much prayer and supplication, risked having me stand up here to talk to you this morning. We are going to be, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your iPad or some such electronics, um, we, the, the notes are in there for you today. Um, if you know how to get to it, I won't tell you how to get there because I have trouble myself. I'm not a native to electronics, to the digital world. I'm an immigrant, <laughs> such as many of us are. Um, and uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, from the Luke chapter 19, we're going to be visiting the story of Zacchaeus. How many of us have heard about Zacchaeus? Yes, the wee little man. If you've grown up in Sunday school in the last 50 years, you would have learned about Zacchaeus through singing that silly little song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. 
sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up to the tree and he said, For I'm going to your house today. Silly little song. Can you imagine the meeting with, uh, between Zacchaeus and the lyricist of that song? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my name's Zacchaeus. Yeah, the wee little man. Really? Is that how I get to be remembered? Down through the annals of history, the wee little man whom Jesus called out of the sycamore tree. Reminds me of the three pastors who were interviewed by a, a local newspaper reporter. She wanted, to, she wanted to know from these pastors what it is they thought was the most significant aspect of their ministries. And she posed the question in this way. When at your funeral, people are looking into your open casket, what is it you would hope they would say about you? The first one to respond was the local Episcopalian priest, who said, hmm, I think I would like to, I would hope that people would say about me that she was a very compassionate, um, caring, devoted priest who helped him to connect to God through liturgy. Okay, that's good. The second one to respond was the Pentecostal preacher. What would I hope they would say about me as you're looking to my casket? Well, my hope is that they would say that he loved the word of God, that he was full of God's spirit, and he could preach the paint off the walls. Praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> and that's what he said. The third one to respond was the Lutheran pastor, a dignified older gentleman, and he repeated the question. He said, so what is it I would hope people would say as they're looking into my casket? Look, he's moving. So, the way we want to be remembered. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning, out of Luke chapter 19. I'm, I'm, I feel like, am I okay? Does this look okay? I feel like I'm all twisted out of shape, and I want to swat a bug away from my face. I'm good? Okay. i got to get used to this. I'm reading from uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. You can follow me. It's from the New Living Translation. And uh, it is, I don't know what page it is in the blue. 852. Thank you, Doug. It'll be in a different version, but your version is called the NIV, or as some of us know it as the nearly inspired version. <laughs> is this being recorded? Uh-oh. From the New Living Translation, it reads, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. Okay. I don't even like the word, the phrase, vertically challenged. Because I don't have a problem. I'm not challenged. I prefer under tall. Okay. So he was under tall, too under tall to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from there. 
When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. And I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. As you um, probably noticed on the slides, there are three different words that attended the reading. The condition, the call, and the change. And that's how we're going to frame this morning's message. Let's talk about the condition first of all. We learn a few things from Luke about Zacchaeus, that he was, well, he, in this version, the most influential Jew in the Roman tax-collecting business. Need I say more, that he was in the tax-collecting business? I'm not going to ask for hands, but are there any in here who are tax collectors? Uh, no one? No, I'm not going to ask for hands. But a tax collector in those days was not thought of very well, as you might imagine. In fact, he was named a chief tax collector. He worked for Rome. He was contracted to take taxes from his own people. We know it's his own people because his name, Zacchaeus, is a Jewish name. He was collecting taxes from his people on behalf of this Gentile, Roman, secular, pagan nation. Oh, and he wasn't just any old tax collector. He was the chief. And it was in Jericho, a crossroad city where goods were moved east to west. Lots of goods. And he probably held the contract to collect the tolls. And he got very wealthy by doing so. But he was reviled by his own people. Put out of community by his own people because of the choice he made in the vocation that he practiced. Tax collector. We also hear that he is under tall. <laughs> why, why Luke bothered to put that in there must be significant. Presumably because, well, he couldn't see above the crowds when Jesus came. I'm thinking that the crowds were probably not very accommodating either if he was so reviled by them, right? And sure, his stature comes into play. And so what does he do? He, he runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree, which not... Not a very dignified thing to do, even by standards of, of his day. But he didn't care. Think about it for a moment then. What do you think motivated Zacchaeus to get a glimpse of Jesus in the way that he did? Was he just curious? Because after all, he was the most influential Jew in the ta Roman tax collecting business. Maybe he felt like he should know about this Jesus um, whom word spread about throughout the region already? Or what might have motivated Zacchaeus beyond curiosity? Those 
two o'clock in the morning moments, sitting at the edge of your bed when you're alone with your thoughts, when the pain and the reality of who you are and how your life is lived, the pain of the reality of being put out of community is felt intensely. Perhaps, perhaps something there motivated him. It was on the wall of a subway in New York City. There was an advertising poster which depicted a dignified older gentleman recommending a particular product. And someone, probably a little boy, wanted to deface the advertisement or advertisement, so he drew a balloon coming out of the mouth of this dignified older gentleman. You know, those... And then this youngster wrote in the balloon the dirtiest thing he could think of. He wrote, I like... Well, he meant to write the word girls, G-I-R-L-S, only he made a mistake. And instead of writing girls, he wrote the word grills, G-R-I-L-S. I like grills. Then someone came along and with a felt-tip pen had written under that, it's girls, G-I-R-L-S, dopey, not grills. Then another party, for the handwriting was still different, came along and wrote under that. But then what about us grills? <laughs> what about us grills? The people for whom, who live life as if their lives are misspelled, who live on the edges having been pushed out, who live feeling marginalized, who live alone, for whatever reason, we get, the, we get a sense of why, well, we get a pretty, not just a sense, but clear picture of why Zacchaeus was reviled as he was. But there are many ways to get to the place where he, wa where he was internally, isn't there? I meet with people fairly regularly, whether in my office or at the hospital as a chaplain fellow, people who, through their sickness or because of their sickness, they feel very much alone. And there are people who have no family, no friends, no support, who come from miles away to be patients at our hospital. The first thing that a chaplain usually asks is what kind of fam, what kind of support do you have? And it's deeply saddening to learn from some that they have none. Whether there's family or not, they still feel like they have none. And where is God in this for you right now? And it's deeply saddening to hear sometimes, I don't know where God is. So people have that experience. We get there in different ways, right? Zacchaeus got there in the way that he got there and had to live with that. So he's a grill, right? My life is misspelled. But that's not the end of the story, thank the Lord. Because we move from the condition now to the call, and Jesus does something remarkably amazing. So you got the setting. You got this huge uh, crowd of people that 
are wanting to see Jesus. He's coming to town. He's famous. Or in some people's eyes, he's infamous. And you've got this Zacchaeus who can't see through the crowd. He has to climb a tree and get to see Jesus. So you can imagine the scene. It's crowded. I'm trying to think of an equivalent scenario here in Charlottesville. But I can't really. I haven't lived here that long to know except maybe on first night Charlottesville or something like that where there's a lot of people in the downtown mall or just Fridays after five, I guess, under the tent. Lots of people. And Jesus walks by this tree and he stops and he looks up and he calls Zacchaeus by name. By name. He doesn't just say, hey, you strange-looking short man, Come out of the tree. We're pretty sure that he never met Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus never met Jesus, but he calls him by name. Maybe his, his reputation preceded him. But Jesus knew what he was doing and who he was calling out of that tree. And what happened? Zacchaeus probably had an ear-to-ear grin and came flying out of that tree, and Luke tells us with what? Great excitement and joy. What was it about Jesus calling him out of that tree? When I was young, um, in the setting of of a hearing and speech impediment that I lived with as a child growing up. It was an experience that kind of pushed me into aloneness to avoid the pain of being teased and mimicked because of the way I spoke. I prayed almost every night asking God in tears, make me better. It was in this setting that, when I was eight or nine, that um, there was this group, this music band. I grew up in Hawaii, that's my home, and uh, uh, we have lots of musicians in Hawaii that we revere, not, one of whom is not Don Ho. <laughs> <clears throat> this is recorded, isn't it? Well, there's a local band called the Hui Ohana, and they were just making their way onto the recording scene and becoming famous in Hawaii. And for reasons I don't want to take time to go into, but they were connected to my family. And they came to our house one night, and it was a party, and, um, and I was off in the party atmosphere doing what I always did alone by myself. Don't have pity on me, that's often what I preferred to do after a while, but I was sitting alone doing whatever, and I heard a voice call me, Gabriel, hey, come over here. That's how we talk in Hawaii. And, um, and I looked up, and it was one, one of the members of the band. His name was Nedward Ka'apana. He said, come over here. And so I came over. And now, I really liked the music. I had an 8-track tape that I wore out. <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am. Um, so I, I was a real fan, actually. And he called me over, and he sat me up on his lap. And I, at this point, I had the, the grin from ear to ear. And he pulled out a dollar bill, and he signed it to Gabriel, your friend, Edward. 
that was an amazing moment for me, and I still remember the effect of it to this day, all these many years later. Now, no big deal. You don't even know who the Hui Ohana is or Network Ka'apana. But what you do know is that this child who very often felt alone and disconnected from friends, from being able to play with friends because he was afraid of the pain and the hurt, was called by name by someone that he was a fan of, sat on his lap and signed a... I did spend the dollar bill. <laughs> they became so famous in Hawaii that that dollar bill would be worth so much more today. <laughs> oh, lack of foresight. But, but Network didn't just give me the gift of calling me by name, nor did he just give me the gift of the dollar bill. You know what he gave me for all my life? He gave me the ability to say that I knew him personally. And that's what Jesus calls us and gives to us when he calls us out of that sycamore tree. Whatever you're up there, he calls us out. And he invites himself to dinner. That's pretty audacious of Jesus, wasn't it? You come down, for I have to be a guest in your house today. But that's the Jesus that we know and that we serve. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever you are facing fear, loneliness, despair, sadness, hopelessness, Jesus looks up and calls you out by name and offers you the touch that only Jesus can offer. And what did that touch do? So we move on to the change part of this message, from the condition to the call to the change. And we see this man, Zacchaeus, respond to the inward touch that Jesus just... It's, it's believed that Jesus probably spent the night with him. So spend some time with him. But we see the evidence of the change that takes place when Zacchaeus makes a pretty remarkable commitment to give away half of his wealth to the poor and to restore four times over the amount that he cheated on people. It was normal for tax collectors to cheat. Rome didn't care about that. They all, all they wanted was what they were due. What, if you gouged people, that was your business, and you pay for the consequences there. So it's common for tax collectors to gouge. And so Zacchaeus was saying, I'm going to pay back four times over the amount I cheated people. He was basically making a commitment of becoming the less most influential Jew in the Roman tax collecting business. He was, in, in some ways, giving up his identity as a man of status and a man of wealth because of what Jesus did here. This is uh, quite the contrast to the story before. You know the story before is about the rich young ruler. You remember the story? He comes to Jesus, he falls at his feet and says, what must I do to be saved, he asks Jesus. And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. He obviously knew the commandments because he was Jewish and he looked like he had been bar mitzvahed and all that sort of thing. So he knew. 
you know, keep the commandments and so on and so forth. And the man says, well, I've kept all of those since I was a youth. And when Jesus said, well, but there's this one thing. Give up all that you own and come follow me. And you know, the end of the story, he, he walks away sad because he couldn't. Some of you have heard me say this before, that often it's thought that the man's problem was that he desired too much. He wanted too much of his wealth, his status, and all that to be able to, to follow Jesus. But I happen to think that he didn't desire enough. What is stuff and wealth when Jesus is offering the opportunity to follow him? The man didn't desire enough, but Zacchaeus, boy, he responded. Jesus also said of him, this is another audacious thing that Jesus did. Besides inviting himself into the person's, into Zacchaeus' home for dinner, how many of you would do that? I, I, you know, Chauncey, you're taking me to lunch today. Oh, you're too kind. I wanted someone who would give me a reaction. <laughs> no way. The other audacious thing that Jesus did was he called Zacchaeus a son of Abraham. Can you hear the gasps on the part of those who, who just got done saying, grumbling, you know, he's a notorious sinner, a crook, scum of the earth? Can you imagine the gasp that came from them? How dare you call him a son of Abraham? He's no son of Abraham. He's a traitor. He betrays us. But Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. Jesus welcomes him back into the community of the people of God. The people who were chosen to carry the message of God's redemptive plan for humanity. That is powerful, to be welcomed back into community when you are excluded. And the basis of his becoming a son of Abraham was not his religious credentials, but on the basis of the transformation that occurred in response to what Jesus did in inviting him to his home. It's ironic, isn't it? The community, being welcomed back in the community. I feel like I'm losing something here. There we go. Zacchaeus was put out of community, but was brought back in by the one who established that community. The other irony is this. At the beginning of the story, we have Zacchaeus looking for Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Salvation has come to this home today in verse 9. For this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham, and I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. We thought Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, but it's God that comes and seeks us to save the lost. Lostness comes in a variety of shapes and sizes, short, tall, and for a variety of reasons. And Jesus, the Son of God, 
the Savior of the world, has come to seek us out and to bring us to the place of salvation. If you find yourself this morning relating to Zacchaeus' condition and making efforts, efforts to get a glimpse of him, good news is that Jesus is calling you and inviting himself into your space, and he wants to be a guest there. If that's you, I'm going to ask that the worship team actually return, and um, I'm going to ask that everyone would stand at this moment. If you feel, sense that Jesus is calling you, if you've been sitting in that tree and you've been wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus for whatever reason, someone maybe brought you this morning, and you connect with what the Spirit of God is doing right now, I want to invite you to come to this place of ministry. Our worship team, I mean, our prayer team will be down here to offer prayer and pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you start anew and experience the Jesus who calls people out of the sycamore tree into a new life. Perhaps you're here this morning and you feel God beckoning you to be Jesus to others. You have that one or two people on your mind. I'd like to invite you down as well to have the prayer team pray with you and for you. We are one of two people in this place this morning. We are either seeking Jesus or we are people whom Jesus would like to use as conduits of his grace and love. Our worship team will be leading us in a song, and then I'll come back and we'll pray. But during this song, Amazing Grace, um, my chains are gone. I would like to invite you to make your way down here, please. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but was grace twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing Word, my 
that you've been present to us today from right from the beginning and even before we got here. The work of your spirit never ends. They woo us. Thankful for this community that we can gather and um, offer up our worship, our praise. Worship is what we are meant to experience. You made us to worship and to give you glory and honor. We're thankful, too, for the Word of God that helps us to understand a little bit more about who you are and how, how you function, your ways, your will. Pray, O oh God, that from today's experience and engaging you in worship and engaging your Word, that as we go from this place, O oh God, that a bell has been rung in our minds and our hearts that cannot be unrung, and that the work of your Spirit will continue and sustain what has been experienced today. We give you thanks, we give you honor and praise in Christ's name.
amazing grace. We're going to continue to worship this morning. We'd love for you to stay and worship with us, but you can also feel free to dismiss yourself at any time.
Cause you're making me like you You're making me like you I just wanna be like my father I just wanna be more like your daddy God I just wanna 